0: I'm going to do a small 30-second refresher on the last thing I said when I was, quote-unquote, here a month and a half ago. We were talking about the the transactions that we enter sometimes without knowing that we've entered into transactions. And I was just thinking now, as I had been preparing, about Esau, And Jacob, Esau is a man who, unaware of himself, was born with a great destiny because even while he was in the womb, and it's a crazy thing when we think about elders, that even as twins, one must come first. And so Esau comes out of the womb first, and is therefore the firstborn and the elder of Isaac's twins. And he has a purpose, he has a plan, and there's something that God has given because of Isaac in the things that Isaac have, Esau is entitled to an inheritance of the firstborn. But when Esau has gone hunting and is hungry, He sells his birthright, famously for the price of stew. And I was just thinking about it because that contract, if I think legally, it was not a binding one. They didn't sign any documents. There was no legal witness. His father did not co-sign it and agree to it. So if you look in the earthly realm, that contract had no value. But in the spirit, Esau had signed something that changed the course of his future. It, I, on some level, I'm, I'm forced to think that like it propelled even the sickness and the illness that would come upon Isaac, that in his old age, he would not have the clarity of vision to identify the difference between his two sons. If this was a legal contract, Jacob would not have been scared to encounter his son when he was going to see his brother, when he was going to see him again. He was scared that Esau might kill him. If it was a legal contract, he'd have said, but don't you remember all those years ago? That thing did not occur in either of their minds, but that event was a transaction That had weight in the spirit on the destiny of his of Esau. And in the same way, we enter and we get into consistent moments where we have legal transactions in the spirit we are unaware of. I remember last weekend, Pastor Dami, myself, Pastor Michael, and Pastor Farabi met up, and we were talking about Lagos traffic. And Pastor Dami talked about a revelation he had heard from somebody of, effectively. you remember, I think we all know, sometimes you get to the front of traffic and you see that nothing was causing the traffic. And he had, this person talk to him about a revelation where there were three people, three, whether the, the picture I had was like the three witches in Macbeth, who were just sat in front of the traffic, causing traffic and we all realize that it's a spirit behind traffic and why does that spirit exist imagine alone in lagos there are 20 million people who engage in that traffic whether they're in the cars whether they're going by road whether they're sat in a bus and when you get in traffic it triggers you it sets a motion that affects your day that affects the decisions you make. All of a sudden, your morning has just begun, but you're already on edge. So now you get to your office and somebody who works for you has done something poorly. And because, not just because of what they did, but because of what you experienced, you respond differently to them. And all of a sudden, you're going through interactions consistently. And they too have been in traffic. And so they're seeing you go off on them. And they're, they're also on edge about how can this person that calls themselves, my boss, that calls themselves a, a child of God be speaking me to, to me this way and all of a sudden we've engaged in transactions that mean or blur the vision of who we truly are I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're, you're going off on someone and you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and you wonder who am I looking at That's that's not me and their spirits consistently the enemy is continually trying to get us off edge that if he can get us on edge and get us to a place where where we are unaware of ourselves and where where, where, we're going by our emotions by our feelings triggered by anger Esau was triggered by hunger and you can react based on your appetite and not based on your spirit you can sell something you didn't know you were selling esau's life if esau had the presence of mind we would be talking about the father the god of abraham isaac and esau instead thousands of years later we are talking about the god of abraham isaac and jacob why in a moment of weakness how many moments have we encountered like that in our own lives? Where we're responding to our flesh, we're responding to ourselves, we're responding to our present moment. The other day we were having a conversation, and Lisa reminded me of something I used to say, which was dead people feel nothing. That if you are truly dead to your flesh, They're things you cannot respond to. And if you respond to them, it's a signal you have not yet died. It's funny because the Bible says a few things that get me on edge about what it is to walk in Christ. James 1, James talks about it. He says that if you are a hearer of the word, but not a doer, you are as one who looks in the mirror. And the moment you step away, you forget what you look like. It's a very weird image to me. Because when I look in the mirror, I see me. I don't see something else. But then the Bible also says something interesting. It says, that Paul said at this time, I think, it in the book of First Corinthians, he said, "We behold as in a mirror the glory of God." Why would you behold the glory of God in a mirror? Why don't you look and see the glory of God in the sky, but it's, it's different. He's, he's saying that the way you encounter the glory of God is actually a reflection of who you really are. And every time the enemy can get you to a place where you're reacting to something else, I wonder for myself, what is it that Solomon went through? That Solomon had the kind of wisdom he had. Yes, he prayed to God for wisdom, but I'm pretty sure people here who are much older than I am can tell you the wisdom you have came from your experiences. It came from mistakes that you made. What is it that... that, that Solomon went through that him write in, right in Proverbs 25 that you would find in Proverbs 26 that do not engage with a fool otherwise you would not know the difference between the two. What encounter did he get into where he found himself talking to one who was foolish and realizing the people looking at him probably thought he was just as foolish as the one he was talking to. How many times have you sat in traffic and somebody has done something to provoke you and you've reacted? And if people were looking, they would not know the difference between the two. Which one is mad? You think it's him. They think it's you. And that's what happens when we react first. It's why he also learned to say that it is much important, it is better for us to be slow to speak slow to anger, quick to listen. That you would not respond in the moment to your flesh because that flesh is not your true identity. It doesn't carry who you are. So yes, Paul talked about and he said that we behold the, the glory of God as in a mirror. So there's a reflection of self. Paul also said it is no longer I, who live with Christ in me. That this life I live, I live by Christ. That He was saying that this life is not my own. I am not me. I'm him. I am not who you think I am. I am him. I am the the exactment, the, the, the reflection of the personhood of Christ. That is your true identity. Anytime you act within your flesh, you're acting outside of who you really are. Another way the Bible says is in the book of Genesis, the Bible said that God created all things. He created the heavens, created the the land, created the sea, created the the birds in the air. He created the fish in the sea. He created the beasts on the earth. But when he wanted to make man, he looked within himself. He said, let us make man in our image. The question a lot of the time is, do you know who you are? I find that very rarely in the Bible does God talk about someone's identity in the future tense. He talks about it in the present. God did not go to Gideon and say, Gideon, you have the potential to be a mighty man of valor. He said, Gideon, You mighty man of valor. Gideon, when he heard it, did not understand. Because looking at himself, he could not see that identity. But it did not change who he was. When I thought about it, I thought of Abraham. And he said, I will make you the father of many nations. But even then he said, you shall no longer be called Abraham, but Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations. Before Abraham had the opportunity to have children, he had already become the father of nations. So when you look at yourself, do you see who you are? Or do you see who men say you are? What reflection casts back on you when you look at yourself in the mirror? There's something powerful about the story of David. David is anointed the king of Israel. He wasn't anointed and told, you will become. And all through David's life, he had to learn how not to be on becoming the king, but had to be one who was the king. David was sent after that right back to where he was to, to tend to sheep for his father. But even when David was tending the sheep, there was something about it. He had to learn to wear his new identity. So when his father sent him as an errand boy to deliver food and snacks to his brothers, David was sent as as an errand boy, but he went as a king. How do I know that he went as a king? David encounters what Goliath is doing and has been doing for 40 days and in the moment that he hears it, before he even hears anything, he is offended in his very spirit that there is someone who could speak about Israel, about the children of God that way. And so he seeks wisdom and understanding and he says, what is it that will be done for the one who brings down this uncircumcised Philistine? In that same moment, while while David is feeling a boost of encouragement and responsibility as a king, his brothers come. And his brother's like, I know you. What have you come? You just want to watch the battle. You want to see the one that will die. He has not clocked. How can you even make that accusation when nobody here has gathered the boldness to get into the battle? Even Saul, and this is a time where kings would fight at the front line. Even Saul, present day king, had not yet gained that understanding of the responsibility of one who heads a nation to say, I'll get into this battle. But David, anointed king, might not yet be sat in that position, but he knew the responsibility he had. This guy was not just speaking to these men in the army. He was speaking about the nation which God had given me responsibility over. And so he stands up and he gets ready to fight this fight. Why? Not because he will become king, but because he is king. What is it that you see, that you struggle with, that the Lord has spoken over your life, but you can't, you can't contemplate it? It's something very powerful about the the walk and the life of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was all God and all man. And then I start to, think, to take wisdom and understanding from how Jesus spoke. Yes, He's all God, but he's standing here in flesh bound by time and when the philistines question him he says before abraham was i am the bible is such an integral part of the way we relate with god and hear from him because until you understand the lens and the perspective with which god sees we all want to hear the voice of god until you have heard him in his written word. It is very hard for you to gain understanding of him in his spoken word because how will you decipher what is him and what is not him? And so you need to bury yourself in the written word and understand the manner and the way God speaks. So when Jesus said before Abraham was I am, he was letting you know that your identity predates your existence. The world is not groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God because you are not yet manifest right your existence you are a son of God the world is groaning because it is waiting for you to step into the identity you already have it is waiting for you to manifest but that you have not manifested does not mean that you are not you still are you still are you still are exactly who he said you are And this journey in life is a complicated one. It's one of gaining, like Joshua, boldness and courage to stand in an office when you have not yet seen it fully. And so a lot of the times I'll walk with God, I'll I'll explain it from a personal point of view. I like um, the opportunity to stand here and to bring the word of God. Why? Why? Because in these moments, I find a courage that I know could not come from myself to speak something that is not who I ought, but who I am. And so I release a manifestation of who God said I am, not who I'm going to become. And sometimes it's hard for people to look at and to believe and to fully conceptualize in their mind because maybe for me, that courage will last the 13 minutes I stand here And then later on I have to remind myself and encourage myself and I feel faltered, I feel weak sometimes, I feel like maybe I'm not, but in those moments, even though I have not yet fully manifested, I am and so we are going from i am from i'm becoming to i am yes for me today it might last for 30 minutes tomorrow it might last an hour but there'll become a time where i'm no longer simply becoming i fully stand in who god says that i am that is the journey that we're on with God and reason we struggle so much is that in those moments where the enemy throws a curveball at you and you're uncertain of what it is God has said and he has you doubting yourself you let yourself be shaken but the Bible says we shall not be like those who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine why because I am and if I'm using the example of myself uh, I'll take this that this is what happened Bible says that when God wanted to make man he said let us make man as we are, in our own image. So when God wanted to make me, uh, he looked within himself uh, and he said to himself, well I am called. I am one who is meant to carry and transform the destinies of generations. I am one who is bold. I am one who has understanding and wisdom. I am one who has been given strategy. And then he called those things into a ball. And he said, I call you, Adilu Adifarasin. And then he sent me into the world. And even though I did not fully know it did not change that i am i don't know what god has said about you and you are struggling in a battle to believe and you might take that word to someone and they'll tell you "Mm." Maybe you ought to rethink that a little bit. I don't see it for you. I don't see your ability to stand that way. I don't think you have that depth of innovation but they can't see it uh, because they're not standing where God is standing they weren't there when he was molding you, people see your mistakes and your errors and they think it is impossible for that person to become this person well guess what, Uh, that person was always this person you just didn't see him then and now your mind is confused but he is who he is, that's why God said to Moses when He said. Who shall I say that you are? He said, I am that I am. I was, I will be, I forevermore shall be. That person God has declared over your life. It's not something you are chasing after, it's something you just need to learn to sit in. We need to learn to see ourselves as God sees us. Many will discourage you. And they will not discourage you because they want to discourage you. They will discourage you because they just cannot see it. In fact, they want to help you they want to prevent you from being broken-hearted from chasing after something so you don't risk it and lose it so somebody doesn't say look at that person he had such great aspirations but what did he achieve well guess what if you don't get in the ring you do not win the battle he had to show it to joshua that i need you to stand up and engage in these battles the lesson and the learning of Gideon. Gideon struggled. Gideon, even when he was hiding, was proving who he was. What Gideon thought was hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat was the wisdom to conceal the thing God had for him so it would not be stolen. But he did not know it because many around him would have been looking and laughing. And then an angel comes and tells him, you mighty man of valor. He says, me, I am not only from the smallest tribe of all the tribes. My family is the smallest within my tribe. And I am the smallest within my family. So how can you possibly consider me a mighty man of valor? I said, you just haven't seen it yet. Remind yourself of your identity in Christ. Stand firm in it. When everybody else says something is wrong with your vision, there is something to stand strong upon. No one ever became in the place of fear, they came in the place of standing, in the place of walking. If Peter doesn't step, he doesn't walk on water. I want to remind you, just like I want to remind myself God took for himself to make you. This life you live is not your own, you are living an expression of God in the earth. There is a dimension to the things he has called you that are a reflection of who he is, not who you are. You died. He lives. You live by him. God, I'm a mere man, but thank God that you made mere men. God, thank you that you see far deeper than we see. You see further than we see. You see higher than we see. You see wider than we see. You see a depth in our frame that we have not yet conceived of. But thank God for the boldness and the courage to stand and be in the midst of lies, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of hate, in the midst of tripping over and falling. Thank God. that I am.